Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. I just noticed that the, um, like, so this room has not not like a closet or anything like that, but there's just like a, a bar on the wall with hangers on it. So like I could hang up clothes sure. if I wanted, although I didn't bring anything that I would hang. And also, like, it's just it, it would be just literally out in the room. It would be very weird. But on it, there's three of the, like, drunk octopus fisticuff things. Oh, I love those. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked up and saw all three of them, like, fucking, oh, let's do this, bro. And I'm like, well, I, I don't want any trouble from your octopus posse. <laughs> you stepped into the wrong garden, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a Beatles reference on top of, like, an octopus drug reference. Like, that was that was pretty complicated, I think, uh, for I, me. I, I just, I am disappointed. Like, I briefly thought to go with octoposse, uh, and I didn't, and I regret that, and, like, Obviously, I'm backtracking now and I'm doing it, but it's not the same. Like in the it's, moment, if I had said like I don't want to fight your octopusy, like yeah, that would have been that would have been fun. That would have been, been really funny. fun. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a shame! What a shame! Well, but uh, regardless of of uh, octopuses, um, it's a brand new month, Caleb. It's it is. July. It's, it's it's now July third. Is that what time? What what time it is? Is that what time it is? It's That's, it's July third time. It's July. Would it's you look at the time. Would you look at the clock? It's it's July third <laughs> o'clock. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's July third. Uh, you know, tomorrow uh, in America is July fourth, uh, which is of course the day where I uh, sit in my room and be like, ah, shut the fuck up, fireworks, yeah. uh, all night long as people set off amateur fireworks in my front lawn. Oh my god, yeah. And I just uh, I just wait for after the crackle boom to hear someone go, ow, my fingers. So that's uh, that's what I do on July 4th a you lot just, of the times. You just reminded me that, like, basically, like, when I get home, that will already be happening in, yep. in St. Louis, too. And if it, if it hasn't already, it probably has already because I've been hearing a, an odd assortment of booms in the evening that um, aren't the usual city noises. Um, but like we, people shoot off fireworks all the fucking time. Like it doesn't seem to really like have, they don't really seem to need a reason. Yeah. Like it's, it's legal in the state of Missouri. It's not legal in the city of St. Louis, but that doesn't stop anyone. Sure. 
Yeah, uh, and um, and it do the booms. It do the booms. Uh, but yeah, that like it'll it'll come to a head on like the like probably like the the entire weekend of the fourth uh, and the the fourth itself. But it'll keep happening for at least a couple weeks after. As people like just use up their their supply, their supply, or they bought them on the cheap after July Fourth because they yep. always go on sale. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, but this is somewhat coincidental. I think this is very. I think this was was completely coincidental that you know July Fourth in America we talk about uh, celebrating our freedom from the British. But we're talking about an episode uh, today, which is uh, a precursor to a country uh, also separating from the British. Because goddamn those British, they got mm. their fingers in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I am Caleb. And listen, listen, before we begin, good morning. Good morning. Uh, no, <laughs> before we begin... Let's acknowledge that there's no way that these two assholes are going to do this film proper justice. Yeah. But I cannot fucking wait to talk about this. And I I hope that this episode results in more people watching this movie. Uh, We are talking about a... uh, Brand new, right? Like just recently released, if I'm not mistaken. 2022. Uh, Yeah, yeah, only a few months ago uh, on Netflix. Yeah, Yeah. if, if that. The, the brand new Indian film, uh, currently streaming in the U.S. on Netflix and probably streaming elsewhere, as Michael has has, has pointed out, uh, Rise, Roar, Revolt, or more commonly known RRR, which I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it right out there. I'm I'm gonna do what we don't normally do, and I'm going to say, without hesitation, this is easily the best action film I've ever seen, and is a strong contender for best movie I've ever fucking sat through. Hands down. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, at the end of this movie, now this movie, I, I mentioned this in our bonus episode. By the way, we're also on YouTube now for our bonus episode. So if uh-huh, you're not, uh-huh. nsrad.io slash YouTube, check them out, subscribe, smash that subscribe and like button. Don't forget to share, <laughs> uh, like, comment, and share. Um, I don't know I was British there for some reason. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, this is a three-hour, seven-minute movie. Let me tell you, this is one of those movies that twice, I think like two or three times throughout the movie, I was like, I'm not going to lie, you had me in the first half. And then I would say that again like an hour later. I was like, I'm not going to lie, you had me in the first half. Because like, this movie is so epic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, listen, if you've been around the internet, you have seen you know, parodies, you've seen, you know, YouTube videos about like, you know, Bollywood type movies, you know, lots of dancing and the absurd action, you know, where, you know, like there's the one where the guy flips his car over and hands a woman a rose as the car's flipping over. Yes. You know, like there's a whole movie about like drifting on horses. I don't know if the movie's about that, but there's a whole movie that has scenes where people literally drift racing on horseback. Like under a, like a fucking tanker truck and shit. Like it's, it's, I, I, I have said this on record, and I will say it again. Absolutely fucking no one does action sequences like Indian cinema. Like, no it, one. It is show so me, true. Show me a better action sequence than what you would find in an Indian film, and I will I, I will apologize, and uh, I, I, I will go on record saying that someone someone did it better. But I haven't found it yet. 
I, I would be very, <laughs> I, I think someone would be very hard pressed to prove it otherwise. Because, you know, so we're, we're talking about all these absurd things that happen that are very obviously physics defying. And it isn't like these characters are uh, namely superhuman, right? They're not like, they don't say like, I have the abilities above and beyond a regular person. Like I'm a, you know, toxic chemicals, bo- alien from another planet, uh, super rich parents died and whatever. Like mm-hmm. there is no, they're just, they're just regular people, right? That just are doing these feats. It just and, like, and when you watch them, you're like, these are so absurd. Like who does yeah. it? But by the end of this movie, I was like, yes, Rom yeah. would actually do that. Like, yeah. I believe that he did it. Like beam uh, Rom, you did all of those things and no one can tell me otherwise. Honestly, and like this, this movie is a fictionalization about two real people from, from Indian history who fought uh, separately for freedom from the, the British empire uh, never met, and there's kind of like a what would happen if these two had met? It's and like of course, League of extraordinary like, gentlemen, but right, <laughs> uh, like you know, it's they're these larger than life historical figures who have been made into essentially like supermen, but like like you said, they're they're just normal guys who just are like so committed to to their to their cause that they fight like they're, they're like the, they're an entire army themselves, and. You know, the the action sequences in this film, there is the like the grace and the poetry of like the 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 best kung fu movie you've, movie you've ever seen. Oh, hands, and there's yeah. the huge explosions of the like wildest summer blockbuster in the states you've ever watched. There is the like like almost like Snyder esque action sequences. Like yeah, we we talked about with with, with metalcore nerds with Sean uh, about the he um, the needless but incredibly badass death of Matthew McConaughey's character in right. Reign of Fire. There's the kind of elements, but like they're not needless and they're not wasted uh, because everything everything hits. They're like like you said, this is over a three hour long movie. But not once during this film did I think, this scene didn't need to be here. This isn't helping the plot at all. No, if anything, like, just for the the sake of attention spans, I could see that they might have had some success, at least here in the States, splitting this up into, like, a miniseries. And it would have been an epic, epic miniseries. But honestly, sit through this whole fucking movie and just... Just ride the ride, man. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it, th- so this is going to kind of get, you know, obviously, you know, if you're the type of person that listens to us talk about a movie before you watch them, we're going to spoil a lot of this movie, right? Yeah. And I don't think anything is necessarily like, oh my God, like, spoiler, like, it's very, you know, it is, but there are moments that I think uh, are best experienced for the first time. So if you have not watched it yet and that's kind of how you feel, go watch it come back in three hours and listen to us talk about it. (laughs) But this is one of those movies that the movie started and we're introduced to two different characters. We're introduced to, to beam and we're introduced uh, to Rom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rom is uh, a uh, a police officer in the uh, British army. So this is takes place during uh, Britain's rule over India, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, I'm going to say what uh, thirties, uh, when when is this supposed to be set? I didn't uh, exactly. Uh, oh. oh, the twenties during the twenties. I say yeah. Yep. I think it was pre World War Two. Yep. Yeah. So this is set during the twenties. So uh, and we see that Beam is uh, basically a larger than life uh, hero out of a, a small village. Uh, you know, uh, off in the middle of the jungle. 
Rom, however, is a police officer in the British War, and we, we get introduced to each of them in very epic ways, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. first we get to see Beam literally outrun a tiger oh and God. a wolf at the, <laughs> at same, the same time. time. And As he's, God, like, that scene's great. We don't know it yet, but he's essentially collecting these like fierce jungle animals for an even more badass sequence later. But we just see this guy like so the we are first introduced to there's the the Governor Scott Buxton uh, and his wife uh, and they're visiting a village and one of the the young girls from the the village is like drawing like painting artwork on the governor's wife's hand kind of like very traditional designs for her tribe and the governor comes back from a hunting expedition where he's killed half of the like elk or whatever in the forest and they like you know he, the wife shows him the art and he's like oh that's great and she's like i i want this little one for our, our mantelpiece at home and he tosses some coins to the the mother and they just fuck off with the daughter like just they just bought the the girl uh, and of course this is not okay with this village uh, and we learn that this village is, is so close-knit that um, they're described as almost like a, a herd of sheep where you know, they, they, just, they live and exist together peacefully and like isolated from the rest of the world. But like, if something happens to any one of them, it causes great distress for the whole. And so there is a, a man who acts as basically a shepherd for this tribe who will be the, the protector. And like now that uh, this girl, Mali, has been taken, he's going to hunt down and bring her back no matter the cost. So we learn that about Beam. And then we see him outrun a wolf and then a tiger and then fucking with his bare hands, uh, like, you take out a tiger. It's like they catch it in a net trap, but it's still coming after him. And he grabs the rope on both hands and just pulling and holding the tiger back. As it's just, and listen, they make a point to say, like, no animals harmed in the making of this movie, of course. Uh, in fact, all of the animals that we see are CG. And it's pretty obvious that they're CG. But I say that and also acknowledge that, like, it's really fucking good CG. It is really good CG. It is It is really I mean, because there is the moment where, like, you know, he's holding... Uh, for those of you who are Marvel fans, you know, if you haven't watched this movie yet, to relate it, remember the scene where Chris Evans is, like, holding the helicopter yes, and like pulls yes. the helicopter like this is the equivalent of that scene where he has the two ropes and he's the further he pulls them together the further away the tiger can get from him it's what's keeping uh -huh. the tiger from being able to jump on him and he's pulling the ropes together and and in and like you feel the intensity of that scene but like you know that that tiger is not real like there's not there you know uh -huh. but like you feel like the tension in his muscles and like yeah the tiger right there and he ends up uh like hitting it with like a sleeping powder you know like mm -hmm. it, the the ropes break and just as the tiger comes he like gets tossed a sleep bomb and smashes it on the tiger's nose and the tiger passes out on him so and badass. he's like thank you brother like you're uh you know i will you're going to be used in our revolution like you're going to or you know you'll be used later to save our village and you know it's just so fucking badass it was just so fucking cool like no matter what stupid stunt tom cruise did does in Top Gun, Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible 17. Daniel Craig, oh, you know, 007, like nothing will top the stunts in this movie. None no. of them. I mean, they don't even, they're close, but like not by much. Like no. this movie is far surpasses, you know, as Caleb said, 
probably some of the best action scenes I have ever seen. And absurd. Mm-hmm. They're absurd. Oh, but yeah. But, like, you were like, hell yeah, they did. <laughs> and we... When we get introduced to Rom, like the, the there's a, a revolt happening at a police station um, somewhere in the, in the country, and the the police are surrounded by this mob who is like like threatening to tear down the fence, and you know they're calling for reinforcements, and the the you know the army saying like oh it'll be at least several hours, and someone throws a rock in and it like smashes a, a picture of King George or something like that, and they're like well. Like, none of that. We need to arrest that man. And everyone, like, all of the other officers are like, mm, I'm not going out there. Well, there's and, literally like thousands of people, too. Yeah, like, it is just, surrounded this. Like, it is at least a thousand people. Like, it almost looks like straight out of like World War Z or something like that, where the, oh, totally. the, the horde is like mobbing a location. But these are angry and just ready to fucking burn everything to the ground, people who have been oppressed. And, like, nothing is going to stop them. Nothing except, apparently, Rom, who takes off his hat, grabs his stick, and jumps out into the crowd again with that fucking, like, badass slow-motion leap and takes out an entire fucking crowd to arrest this one guy. At one point, they, they pile on him, and he just, like, one by one takes them out from the bottom of the pile. <laughs> I, that was the most, like, probably one of the coolest shot scenes of this movie yes. in a practical sense. Because you're, like, as they're all huddled on top of them, the camera's in there with them. And you get this mm-hmm. moment where everything goes still. And then he's just like, whoopah! You know, and it's just, <laughs> oh my god, it was so cool. And, like, I feel like in, in an American action film, there would be, the, like, they'd pile on them. You'd think, oh, he's fucked. And then, like, the overhead shot, like, boom, everyone goes flying. And he'd be like, oh, right. I'm amazing. Oh, the, but the like, Matrix. That happens yeah. in The Matrix uh, too, I think. It yeah. happens. Like, you could probably name a, a half a dozen films without trying where that happens. But, like, no. He just takes them out one by one from the bottom of the pile and works his way out. And everyone is just like, uh, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. And, like, he just continues to fight his way through this entire crowd. At one point, he goes up on top of a cliff, and, like, they think they've got him. They've got him surrounded, and he grabs a pole and basically, like, forces, like, 27 guys off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> like, what is happening? It, it was just absolutely insane. So he does actually capture the guy. He, you know, tosses him at the feet of the guy, the commander in charge, steps back into line and he you know does his like heel click to like mm-hmm. step back in line and when he does it like you know puts out like a pressure across and the whole like revolting people go <gasps> yep and then they all like turn around and be like no fuck that not today <laughs> like i am not messing with that dude he just ripped through our entire everybody to get and one dude and he's still standing fuck it's that. like the, a testament to the power of this sequence, because this starts, and we're like, okay, this guy is a, clearly, he's, he's an Indian man who's in the service of the, the British Army here, and is helping to oppress this crowd. Not going to root for this guy. He's the bad he's guy, still, right? He's, he's clearly the bad guy. Yeah. Like, that is the, the most obvious setup possible. Uh, but he's so fucking badass in this sequence, it's like, I can't, I... I cannot root for you, but I'm not rooting against you, man. <laughs> right. Well, he was just so cool. And, you know, I, I as in watching this, so uh, uh, Beam is played by N.T. Rama Rao Jr. And mm-hmm. uh, Ram is played by Ram Sharan. Um, you know, from a Western standpoint, Ram Sharan is, is the good-looking dude, 
right? Oh, like he's, he's got a very <laughs> like, you know, he's very, you know, he's got that lean muscle, you know, like Chris Evans. Like he he's uh-huh. basically Indian Chris Evans. Yeah. Like he is just he's a really good looking dude. He is just jacked, but like nice and lean jacked. Like he is he is literally Indian Chris Evans. Whereas uh NT Ramarau, still a good looking dude, but he's a little more I hate this term, but like dad bod, scruffy, like he, he ah, looks he's a, a little bit more guy. cuddly. He does look a little Honestly, bit more like, cuddly. I, I I feel like he would be a good cuddler. He he probably would be a really <laughs> good cuddler. Yeah, and he you know for for most of the movie you know for the first half of the movie you see uh, uh, Beam you know N.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rao as the good guy. He is the mm-hmm. hero of this movie. He, so you think? Yeah. Um, you know, and then you know, Ron, but I was like this is really weird because I was like, this must be like a cultural thing. You know, I was thinking this for, for a lot of the movie and we'll talk about where this, my perception changes. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is so weird because like the traditionally good looking guy is the villain and damn, he is a rough villain. Like he is yeah. a brutal, brutal villain, you know, whereas as beam is the not so good looking, but he's the hero. And I'm like, Oh, this is so interesting. This must be like a very weird cultural thing. But it's not, uh-huh. and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, it's a, it's an excellent misdirect. It is. So we see that Beam is, you know, uh, basically going off to try to find Molly, uh, Molly, and uh, uh, Rom is in the police force, and he, as we can, far as we can tell, he wants to make it to the role of special officer. So after he goes and captures this guy. You know, they go back and there's this big ceremony and they're like, you know, only three of you have made it to special officer like you all stood above and beyond the the rest of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And it's these three random white guys. And we see uh, Rom uh, afterwards where he's in his like little workout gym and he's clearly pissed he didn't make it to special officer. You mm-hmm. know, and this is like, you know, again, in watching this movie, I was like. This is the weirdest villain origin story ever. Like he he's becomes a villain because he didn't get a promotion at work. Like this is like Edward Enigma like type well, of it's, villain origin it's this story. Weird sense of like okay, here's this guy who's essentially like betrayed his people and like right. become in league with the enemy and he's you know, he's clearly really good at what he does and he's working his ass off and he's not getting he's not getting the acknowledgement for it and like Okay, where where are we going with this guy? Because like I've I'd like everything in me tells me I'm supposed to hate him, but like I can't. I don't. Right. So like explain to me why. Yeah. Oh, don't don't worry, they do. Oh, they do. Yeah, he does also have a Chris Evans moment in this, uh, because as he's punching a punching bag, he punches it so hard it blows out a hole in the back of it and yes. all the sand comes. Just so great, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now that we get this, and then, uh, so what we learn is that uh, the uh, General Scott, uh, or whatever, Captain Scott, uh, whatever. Governor. Governor Scott. He is, he's uh, the, the Royal Governor, Scott Buxton. Scott Buxton. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, name. Buxton, yeah. Uh, so Gen- uh, Governor Scott it, it basically has purchased uh, Malie from this village. We know that Beam is coming to get her. He is now in Delhi. This is where this takes place. It takes place in Delhi. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the uh, the British get wind that there is a man who is a great warrior, a great hunter, who has basically come to Delhi to get 
um, Malie back. Well, what they think is that he's there to basically overthrow to, the governor. To kill and, the governor, yeah. To kill the governor yeah. and, like, you know, start a revolution. Which and, is, like, can the one of the best things that I, that I, that I, um, that I saw in this movie. One of the, sorry, I just completely lost my train of thought. I know what I'm trying to say, though. One of the best things that the, that they did in this movie was the way that they introduced that. Because a a man comes to to tell like someone who works for the governor, like he gives us the whole exposition about the the the, the tiger who is the shepherd of this tribe. Like that's that's where we learn all about who Beam is. But then when that guy then goes and tells like the rest of the army, like this guy, he's coming from the governor. We got to get him. And they're like. Great, give us the file. He's like, that's the thing, though. We don't know shit about fuck. Uh, we just <laughs> yeah. know he's coming, and you better be ready. <laughs> and they're just like, what? Uh, and they're like, how okay. are we supposed to find the guy? Like, they're like, he's what does never he look like? And he's like, eh, we don't know. Like, what, other, what prior crimes has he committed? Like, as far as we know, none. And like, how are we supposed to find him? And then Rom, out of nowhere, is like... I'll fucking find this motherfucker. I'll fucking find this motherfucker. And so basically he gets promised if he brings uh, Beam back alive, he gets his promotion to special officer, which is what we saw that he clearly wants. Mm -hmm. And if he brings him back dead, they'll just give him a pile of money. Um, and he's like, I'll bring him back alive then because he really wants that promotion. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention one thing. Uh, during the scene in which uh, the governor takes Malie, uh, there's a couple of different things. So one, when he tosses the money to Malie's parents, uh, there's a miscommunication in that the parents think that they are that he is paying them for the art that mm -hmm. Malie drew on the governor's wife's hands. But in fact, it's to to basically take Malie. And when she finds this out, the mother chases down yeah. um, the the uh, the convoy, stops in front of the vehicle, and you know, obviously, you know, she's just you know this this small woman against literally an army. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, they come out, and one of the soldiers puts a gun to her head, and we get this speech from the governor where you know mm. he says something to the effect of like. You know, don't you understand where this bullet came from? He's talking to the soldier. He's like an English uh, person, you know, built, you know, made this bullet. It sh sailed on English ships to land on this shore. You know, by the time it reaches your bullet, it's already worth one pound and you're going to waste it on this, you know, filth of a person, you know, like, uh, you know, that's not worth it. And he does make a comment here, which uh, I did not. It took me a few minutes after later uh there was a really good foreshadowing where he says like what are they gonna do come after us with their bow and arrows yeah and i was like i you know when he made the comment Someone i was like definitely Ooh. gonna do that yeah and i was like oh that's i was like that's kind of a, a shitty like salvage code and then at the end of the movie i was like oh fuck <laughs> it was so cool it's uh, I mean, but yeah so they smash her upside the head and she you know uh, rolls off the ground and she's not dead but you know and then they it, go off we don't know that yet. We find out later right. that she survives, but it doesn't look like she survives that because that it a hit hard yeah. straight to the head with a big old log. It was, honestly, like, okay, so I guess for, for content, um, this movie is incredibly violent. Uh, it's, it is it is brutal in some ways that, like, I don't I don't know that I expected, but also I don't know that I would. I, I wouldn't have taken it out. I, I wouldn't no. change anything about it. Couldn't. Um, it's, it's very important. There's really nothing else objectionable about this this film. 
Um, yeah, there's no swearing, at least uh, not in the subtitles. Uh, there yeah. was no swearing. There's no nudity or sex or anything like that. There's yeah. no drug use or anything. There's no uh, smoking and drinking of any kind, to my knowledge. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't recall there being any. Yeah, um, I, I would say the biggest thing is is the fact that, like, this the mistreatment of people like this happened, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So like, you know, and obviously they, they do get their revenge, but like this kind of happened. What an extremely, uh, colonial, like we'll pick on the British specifically, uh, yeah. colonial British, but extremely like imperialist thing to do to come to someone else's home, like, uh, like oppress and brutalize them. And then when they rise up to call them savage, right. It's uh, <laughs> like, you're gonna get what you deserve, man. <laughs> right. I, you know, I don't think at any time throughout history anybody that referred to themselves as an empire was ever on the the right side of history. Even we learn this in 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 science fiction, mm-hmm. like Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. they're called the Empire. Like they're not the good guys. They have empire in their name. Like mm-hmm. we know this throughout world history. Never and- works out. Even like the most like reasonably benevolent, and I'll put that in, in air quotes, uh, empires or emperors in history, they still got there through extreme violence. I mean, the Roman Empire is, is a really great example. Everybody speaks highly of the Roman Empire, but like they they didn't like come bearing gifts and flowers and be like, you want to join the Roman Empire? They were like, hey, we're going to stomp the fuck out of your town, and then you are now part of the Roman Empire. That's how this Which, works. <laughs> like... One of my uh, favorite and also at the same time least favorite stories of, of Roman attempt at conquest was the guy who failed and like they like he, he was known for being greedy and basically just in it for the money. And so they melted down all his gold and poured it down his throat. I mean, like that's that like the people that he went to try to conquer were like, mm, here's your gold, buddy. <laughs> he uh, was in the fuck around phase of the, <laughs> the find out phase of the fuck around empire. He most certainly <laughs> found out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like empires exist through violence and are taken down through violence. And this movie you know, very much puts that right front and center. Like there, there's sure no does. there's no like tiptoeing around it. Yeah. Uh, so so we've gotten in, or introduced to our two characters. So now at this point, we know that Rom, the British officer, uh, is out to get Beam. Uh, and uh, these these are our two, you know, uh, things. So we get a moment where Rom uh, is kind of like in an underground, you know, rebel, rebellious meeting. And he, you know, poses the question of like, oh, what if we just kill the governor? And everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, let's just kill King George next too, because obviously it's <laughs> like that's an absurd undertaking because yeah. you know the governor is very well protected. He has a whole army with him. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And Rom makes this. He's he's like being a spy under this, and he actually ends up meeting up with someone who, over the course of a series of event, a series of events, he ends up meeting Beam, which I do love that like. Uh, he, he gives himself away by like at a checkpoint, uh, like he like secretly like whispers to the other officer, like I'm an officer, I'm on duty, like just pretended to check me out and then let me go. And the guy salutes him when his credentials clear. And so the, uh, beams associate that's, that's with him, uh, takes off running. And so they're like, he ends up uh, meeting beam while he's in the middle of this manhunt, like trying to find this guy to get information about, subsequently beam uh and it just made me wonder like why wouldn't they like 
they're they're passing around a hand drawn sketch of what the guy looks like. Why wouldn't they just like give him a haircut and shave him and like boom, like you're never going to find the guy, right? Like yeah, and it, I, I I say that fully understanding that there may be some uh, some cultural implication that I don't understand. So I don't mean to step on anything there. Just like from a plot standpoint, like that would be the first thing I think. Like oh, this guy's going to recognize me. He's holding like he's passing around sketches. Let's change my appearance. Yep, and we'll or, take care of it that way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, yes. Uh, but we do learn that Beam never actually sees the drawing, which, uh, which is also kind of hilarious in its yes. own right. So let's talk about the the meeting of Beam and Rom, oh which is is one of the first really big, amazing uh, action sequences. And it is it is also the, the reason that we're watching this movie, because... Uh, Netflix shared it during the the Geeked Week, right? Was it yes. Geeked Week? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Netflix Geeked. Yep. They shared this this clip on Twitter, and it just absolutely blew my fucking mind. Uh, and some of you may have seen this at this point: uh, the sequence of the two men on the bridge, one on horseback, one on a motorcycle, uh, who then like run themselves off opposite sides of the bridge and swing from a rope to catch and save a boy from from a fire. And, like, there's no way that I can describe this on a podcast and tell you how amazing this is. You have to see it for yourself, how perfectly executed this is, how, like, these guys who are just meeting each other for the first time communicate entirely nonverbal, come up with this ridiculously elaborate plan to save this boy from a fire that started from a train that... It was a, like an oil tanker train that was running on the underside of this bridge that was leaking, and the sparks caught fire, and there was this huge explosion, and the you know the boy was just out there fishing, but now they've got to save him, and they do it, and it's amazing. In the most epic way possible. I mean, like, you know, swinging down, he, you know, he's got a flag, he wraps him, the boy, you know, wraps him up in a wet flag so he doesn't get burned as they swing through fire, and then they catch each other. It is just the coolest scene. I just... That in one of the cool scenes where they lock arms and they just look at each other and it's like, ah, uh, we yes. fucking did it. Uh, so Beam and Rom now meet, right? And they befriend each other. They after become this. the best of friends. They become and it the is, best of friends. It is probably my favorite on-screen friendship that I've ever seen. Uh, they just they like they do everything together. They they they. Travel, they fight, they they go to parties, they have fun, they learn from each other, all the while like not realizing that Rom is actually hunting Beam and Beam is hunting the, the governor that Rom works for. And like they never realize that there's all these like little near misses that where like they could find out about each other, but they don't. Uh, you know, we they, like Beam never realizes that the man that uh, Rom is looking for is his friend Lakchu. Uh, I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like all of this, like even to the point where like Rom helps uh, Beam meet a woman. Uh, you know, he sees like uh, a- another man being abused by one of the soldiers, uh, and you know this this woman Jennifer. She stops him. She shows kindness, and then like Beam immediately falls in love, and he's like, I don't know how to talk to her. And Rom's like, I got this, and like. <laughs> Pops all her tires so her car will stop in front of them so that Beam can offer to, to help and then, like, sets them up. They go on this date. She invites him to a party. There's a fucking dance battle at the party. The, oh, my uh, God. God, that whole dance battle. And it's, oh, my God. Like, the, like snotty British guys, like, you savages don't know dance. Like, here's tango and foxtrot and uh, salsa and flamenco and, like, all these things. And, like... 
we don't know that, but do you know Desi Notch? And he's like, what's that? And they just launch into this battle, and then everyone joins in until only one person is left standing. And it's the most incredible thing. It's just... It's such pure joy. The dance sequences in in Bollywood and in Indian films are just pure joy. Every time I see one, my heart is just full. I love it. And you know what? To to make a callback and, and you know, obviously this is a separate country and a separate culture, you know, Pakistan for uh, Miss Marvel. But mm-hmm. same thing in episode three of Miss Marvel, that whole oh dance scene when they're at the wedding, which so by the good. way, I love her brother, Amir. And yes. I fucking love her dad. Yes. They are just the cool, I just, <laughs> I just want to hang out with their characters. I'm the sure the actors family. are great, but I want to just be like, Amir, <laughs> like dad, let's, let's go out. You guys are cool as hell. The the actor who plays Amir took a, a selfie with his on screen wife and his real wife and posted like brought my wife to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, that is very funny. Yeah. But yeah, just that whole family and like even like the extended family that we meet in, in episode yeah. three, just all so great. I love them all. Yeah. So so the dance battle pursues, uh, and we have uh, at the very end. So basically, it's it's a dance off to who could dance the longest, right? So that's mm-hmm. what what the Desi Notch uh, basically is, and this the song that they sing. Basically, the lyrics are like, "Who who will be the last one standing?" Basically, and it's this very specific dance, and you keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it until the last person standing. And at this point, you know they they outdance the the British snobby white guy, and mm-hmm. it's just Beam and Rom uh, at this point, and they're dancing, and so you know they're looking at each other, and they're you know they're doing their dancing, and they're like smiling and laughing, they're having a really great time, and and we hear everybody cheering on Rom, mm-hmm. um, except uh, Rom notices that Jenny is cheering on uh, uh, Beam, and oh. he's like, oh, and so he like fakes you know he's like oh hi you got me beam so that beam could be the hero in front of the girl he likes he's such a good friend he's such a good friend i sobbed so many times in this movie uh, it's just the friendship is so and and we see tons of scenes of this where they you know do this but it's not until like two hours into this movie where they real where Rom realizes that Beam is the man he's been chasing after, and then you're like, oh shit, like this is where it's all going down. And like Rom, you know, finally, you know, goes after Beam and they have this epic battle. And it's like, and you're like, ah, fuck. But then this is where it gets the turnaround. Because like he's he's fucking beam up right like he mm-hmm. he is he's like whipping him at this one scene to try to get him to uh, to like fall to his knees you know in front of the governor and he's he ends up whipping him with a thorned whip oh. so fucked up and it's just terrible but then you get Rom's backstory yes and we learn that that Rom is actually from a, a another small village that uh, <clears throat> was training. They they were training to fight the British, and they were they were using uh, wooden rifles, basically like what you would see in like a, a color guard for like you know practice rifles. Um, and you know the the people ask like, when will we get real rifles? We think we're ready. And Rom's father is the one who's who's training them, and he tells a very similar story about the the governor talking about the value of a bullet, uh, and he's like, you know what? If these bullets are so valuable to them, we're not going to waste a single one of them on anything but their hearts. And oh. It's like this whole badass story. And then, of course, the, the British Army finds their encampment and attacks, and they're surrounded. And they've got, like, 
they've got to get the, the people out. And Rom's dad is single-handedly holding them off uh, until we see um, his Rom's mother and brother get shot. And then you know, Rom's dad takes several hits. And we know at this point that Rom is one, at least a, in, in equal to his dad, if not a better shot from you know, what we see from when he steals one of the rifles and goes out and practices at night. And like bullseye is a target that like is swinging on a rope from like two thousand feet away or something like that. It's yeah. just, like some ridiculous distance. Um, so like he takes his father's rifle and like carries on. And like between the two of them, they single handedly fight off the this this British advancement. They force them back. And Rom's father, who is like injured and is dying, comes up with the idea like we're gonna strap TNT to me. I'm going to go out there and pretend to surrender, and you're going to shoot me, and like we're going to take them all out. And it's like, no, daddy, no! But I, like, also, like, holy this shit, is so badass! And and this is this is the moment that we learned that the plan was um, that Rom, uh, well, what originally was going to be was Rom's father was going to join the British Army, mm-hmm. become a special officer. And then basically stow away all the rifles to this village because this, mm-hmm. this village only had one rifle. And he said to them, like, I will not give you real rifles until I know you will not waste a single bullet on, you know, uh, you will not miss a single bullet on the British. Mm-hmm. And so Rum takes over the mantle from his father, joins the British army. And that's why we learn that he is wanting to be a special officer because he he is actually wanting to start an entire fucking revolution. It is such like this heartbreaking moment when he like he, he says like in order to to like to save my country, I'm having to like terrorize and, and hurt the people whose freedom I'm fighting for. And you see that conflict in him and like all like that, like the instincts at the beginning of the film where you see him in his badass sequence taking on that crowd and you're like, I can't root for him, but I can't root against him. Like you realize that like, shit, like there's a reason that he's set up as such like this epic badass because like he has to be. And he's so torn about like the means that he has to do, like hurting and, and also killing like arguably like dozens, if not hundreds of people to yeah. get to the point where he can save literal millions and it's the whole country at that. And there's also a really great moment a little later where Beam finds out, uh, Beam ends up, you know, escaping with Mali. Um, you know, Rom ends up getting captured after, you know, he basically saves Beam and Mali and sends them on their way. Rom gets captured as a traitor. Oh, Beam I'm ends up, up again. <laughs> I know. Beam ends up going to this random village. And earlier in the story, when when Beam and Rom were friends, Beam mentions, you know, has a necklace and he's like, oh, is this, you know, Rom is like, oh, is this from, or Beam is like, oh, is this from your girl? And he's like, yes, this is, this is from Sita. Like she's, you know, she's my fiance. Like we're going to, we're going to be married. I'm madly in love with her. Like I want to get back to her, but you know, I have to do this job first. And he never really mm-hmm. says the job that he has to do. He's like, I have to do this job first. And then one day I'll get back to her. And so after Beam, you know, escapes with Molly, he, with Mali, he ends up in the village with Sita, who is still like helping the revolution. And he like learns about Ram and he learns from Sita and he's like, oh fuck, like I was going just to save one girl, but Ram was going to save our whole country. And he's like, how can I, how could I ever like let him do that on his, like, 
I am such a fool. Like I'm thinking of one and he's thinking of everyone. And what like, a great fucking line. Oh Ugh. my God. So, so powerful. And like, you know, to each, each of these men, like their mission was equally important, but like, like Rom is looking at the bigger picture and beam realizes like shit, like there is a bigger picture to look at. Uh, meanwhile, Sita, not to, not to be missed it, her brilliance yeah. in like, the, our group was caught. Beam and Mali and like everyone, all the fugitives fleeing, helping them out were caught. Like they were cornered. And she thinks on her feet and tells the officers, like, oh, thank thank God you've come to help us. Like these people, they have smallpox. And the officers were like, fuck this. We're out. <laughs> like, see ya. <laughs> Which is also, yeah, I mean, it's great. Like she she has some really great mom. I mean, we all, she only has a few minutes of on screen time. Uh, but Sita absolutely has some great moments that mm-hmm. you're right, mm-hmm. uh, cannot be overlooked. Uh, so at this point, Beam is like, that's it, man. I am going to go and I'm going to save Rom. Now, Rom is is set to be hanged um, mm-hmm. at this point and, and set to be executed. And Beam Which, goes and saves uh, Rom. Obviously, it has to happen for the, the sake of the movie. But I love that this governor is so intent on making his prisoners suffer that he gives them plenty of time to escape. Tons of <laughs> Instead of just being like, I've just, got a gun in my room right now. I'll go like, get it. Bam! You have an entire army here that could just like shoot this guy. Like we've caught him, just fucking just kill him. Just shoot him in the face, done. But they're like, no, we must make him bleed. And they're like, cool. That gives plenty of time for my best pal over here to come rescue me, and for the two of us to fuck you up entirely. Well, the best part about it is, is after they catch capture Rom, they keep him for months. There's a month, like there's several months worth of time that spans between the time Ram gets captured and the time Beam goes and saves him. Long enough for him to grow hella long hair and a dope ass beard, and to look absolutely fucking fly as hell when uh, later, uh, after uh, Beam rescues him and takes him to this shrine of uh, of the Great Hunter, uh, I believe it was Ragu. Yeah. Uh, is what the the song references because they they refer to Ram as being in the lineage of Ragu. Really, yep. um, you know, we see this statue who's draped in like the, these traditional uh, orange garments, and uh, Beam grabs all of these flags and like creates the garments and like wraps them Ram up in them, and like he makes some sort of like poultice to like help heal his wounds, and like he grabs the bow and arrows from the statues, and we just see Ram rise up like this fucking epic warrior hero of old, and just. The, the foreshadowing that you pointed out earlier, what are they going to do? Come at us with their bows and arrows? Yeah, they yes. are. <laughs> and he fucks up your entire army. <laughs> These two guys, like, Rom shooting bows and, like, shooting arrows, like, from out of nowhere, picking off guys. And meanwhile, Beam doing shit like catching a motorcycle that's run away, coming <laughs> at him, and, like, grabbing it one-handed and swinging around and, like, knocking people the fuck out with it. Like, this is the most epic action shit I've ever seen. It was so... There, there's also a scene earlier uh, in the movie where, uh, where you know, we mentioned that Beam was collecting all of these wild animals. He yes. finally has a scene where he, he, he basically lets them loose on this world. Oh, my and God. And as he's fighting the army, a cheetah jumps at him and he grabs the cheetah and throws it at a British soldier and the cheetah just rips the British soldier's face off and he's just like, ah, fuck, I'm just gonna one-handed throw a fucking cheetah at a British soldier. And like some some sort of antlered animal he uses and like impales a guy on yeah. <laughs> the guys it's oh running god. by <laughs> and he just, oh god there's just such great fight scenes in this movie and they're so fucking epic and they're not like 
they don't feel awkward. Even no. when they're happening, you're not like, okay, that was a little, you're still like, holy shit, that is just, so fucking like heroic. Like it just feels heroic everything. I, I don't think anyone was in the room next to me, but if they were, they heard me yelling a lot because oh it's my just God. like, holy shit, are you Did kidding that, me? What the fuck is going on? Oh my God, it's so fucking good. <laughs> So, you know, the end of our movie, you know, Beam and and uh, Rom, they, you know, they uh, kill the governor uh, and they even say it's like a really great line where he's like, you know, this he's like, oh, don't you know, you know the uh, value of this bullet beam. Don't you know the value of this bullet? Like it, you know, hey, he's like, so let's make sure it goes back. You know, let's, you know, let's make let's sure let him keep it, it in his heart. Let him keep it in let his him heart. Keep it in his heart. And then what a fucking bam, beam shoots him and that bullet goes right into his heart and you was ah uh, I mean it's such a like a brutal killing but at the same time you're like fucking yes like that is exactly what should have happened and it felt so rewarding and satisfying oh it as, was absolutely amazing as an aside like nowhere near as like comically brilliant but did you get uh, like mild Andy Circus vibes from Ray Stevenson who played Governor Buxton Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was, there's a few moments where I was like, hmm, okay, all right, cool. I, I could actually picture this being uh, recast and basically just like it's Ulysses Claw, but. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. And then but he's the governor of this, this But he's the governor of this in place. <laughs> so, and to close out the movie, we get yet another uh, really great dance oh sequence God. with everybody, you know, involved. We get Sita's in there. Jenny is is in there uh, dancing. And we get Mali, who is in there, who has now been rescued. The village. It, it's just wonderful. I, I mean, I love that Jenny's part of this. I love that, they, yeah. like, they they made her an ally and not a white savior. I loved that yes. so much. Yep. And I love that, like, she gets to be a part of it, but she, you know, she's not the, the focus. And that they bring her back for, like, both of the big dance, dance sequences. I also love, like, paying attention to the the, the subtitles and the, the lyrics of this the final dance number is this basically, like, telling the, the story of, like, the bravery of all of the different, like, I, I states province or whatever however india was, sure. was divided yeah. i don't know like kingdoms uh whatever like telling the, the bravery of all these different regions join rising up and joining together and like you know fighting for the the flag that we all bled for sort of thing like it's yep. just it's like that ending sequence in and of itself is an epic tale yeah yeah i mean and that's the thing. I mean, this this is a three hour movie, right? Like, and it's long, but there's so many like the the turn that it takes when you learn that that Rom is actually the good guy of the movie. That yes. Rom is actually the hero of the movie. I mean, Beam is the you know a hero, a hero of the movie. But mm-hmm. Rom really is the hero of this movie. Yes. And that turn, that journey that it takes, and the you learning that. Is just amazing. Like it, it's just, it's just great. It's so heroic and majestic and satisfying. And I, I feel like if, if you are familiar with the history of these two people, like in real life, you would, you wouldn't be surprised. I, I didn't know anything about them. So for me, there was a genuine like sense of like, I don't know if this guy's going to make it. Like yeah. I thought for sure that they were going to do something where like one of them was going to get killed and the other one was going to have to like you know, have like a, a revenge story or something like that. Or like, I just like the, the genuinely held me in suspense every time that these guys were in like mortal danger, which happened repeatedly. Like yeah. each of them were, were caught and were like, were like 
you know, publicly tortured and, and humiliated and imprisoned and were set to have an execution. And each one of them had that moment of needing to be rescued. And like, and either one of those, like it, it like it could have happened. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the hero journey on this is, is amazing for, for all of this because there are so many moments and I agree that, you know, for an American audience, you know, I'm hoping that people, you know, uh, whether you pause it kind of halfway and take a break, totally fine Mm -hmm. um it's a very long movie i get it you know i know a lot of people like this is avengers endgame length of a film but i feel like it tells more of a tale than i mean don't get me wrong i love avengers endgame i still will watch that movie every so often just because there are a lot of great moments in it yeah but this movie rrr tells a tale like it is a whole ass story it is in this three hours and you feel that journey start to finish you know what it is it's basically like the the epic poems of uh, of yore so to speak but like translated into cinema in a way that fucking works like in a way that american cinema basically has to build an entire cinematic universe Uh, 10 uh, years worth of a union yeah to tell this depth of story that they do in in three hours and like makes me like almost exhausted at how much i experienced like what a roller coaster of emotions and like an information and uh just excitement throughout this film um and yeah like there are plenty of like call them chapter markers where you can you sure. can pause you can split it up however you want and there there is a part of me that almost wishes that they had done that but like for my own sake, I don't mind sitting through a three-hour movie if it's if it's a good movie and if it's got good flow to it. And at no like I had to pause this a couple times to like get up and go to the bathroom or like yeah, whatever. Same. But like yep. at no point did I pause this and think, "Fuck, how much longer is left?" Right. And if yeah. anything, I was like, "Wait, it's only been twenty minutes. There's so much that's happened." <laughs> the the title sequence, the RRR title sequence, doesn't happen until forty minutes into the movie. Yeah. And our opening credits is five minutes long. Yes. Uh, and then you get those little, like, you know, the water, the fire, the revolution mm-hmm. uh, type things, you know, those little um, marker points. Oh. And those are only in the beginning of the movie. They definitely could have been, like, spaced out a little bit. But, like, that mm-hmm. that RRR moment happens after the bridge scene where they grasp hands and then it, oh, you know, pans out and you get the RRR, like, you know, revolution and all that. It was just just fucking epic and i was like holy shit so that's what the story like that was all like prologue mm-hmm. like up like up until the moment that they they grab arms in that bridge like everything before that was prologue i also love that the the song that they do in the, like in the the friendship montage talks all about like this unlikely meeting of opposites and like their how their friendship came to be and uh you know will they ever find out and all this stuff like that and like each time the like the drama ramps up between the two, they revisit that song in a different uh, a different tone. Uh, so like you know when they they realize that they've betrayed each other, it's this somber thing, and when they're fighting, it's this like big action, and it's like ah. right. Yeah, it is uh, absolutely crazy. Yeah. So should you watch this movie? Fuck yes. Yes, you absolutely should watch this movie. You Whether- you should be watching this movie right now. You should be watching this movie right now. I mean, whether you you love action, if you are into action movies, this is going to be one of the most exciting and epic action movies you'll probably ever watch. If you're into just good, you know, uh, it's historical fiction, but, you know, historical stories, 
you're going to love the story of this. If you love triumphant moments, if you love, you know, against all odds, the underdog wins, this movie has all of those elements to it. It's just a fantastic movie. I cannot speak any more highly of this movie. It is just, like, at its core, it is just true storytelling. It is, oh, like, 100%. It draws you in to the point of caring so much about all of these people and, like, what happens to them. But then you add in the the joy of the the, the friendship and the, the dance sequences and stuff like that. And you add in the the huge, huge action sequences. And you add in just the, the brutality of what the British did and the people rising up against that and, like, reclaiming freedom for themselves. Like, all of these elements... Oh my God! If you if you haven't watched this movie, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Go do it. You're wrong. Yeah, you, absolutely. You still go do have it. time to 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 save yourself from being so terribly wrong. Yes. Now I believe this movie <laughs> was originally uh, filmed uh, or, or recorded in the language Tegu, I believe it's called. Uh, but the Hindi version is the one that is available on Netflix in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a note, the two main characters, uh, the the actress who played Bomb and uh, Beam and Ram, did actually record their dubbed lines in Hindi for this film. So that is oh, okay. actually their voices, whereas every uh, most everyone else is another dubbed actor speaking in Hindi. Another thing that I thought was really great, and I'm sure this is part of the fact that there are so many languages spoken on the subcontinent, is there are several scenes where even when a language that isn't English is being spoken, characters will translate for each other in other Indian languages. Yeah, uh, I just thought that that was really cool because you like I, I I imagine what we're hearing is probably all Hindi. I, I could be wrong. I don't. I, Honestly, I don't speak any of these I mean, languages, yeah, I so I don't know. Yeah, I but like the way that it's presented, it, it's almost as though like you know they, there are you know, people like to to put it in perspective, like you know in a room like someone speaking English and it gets translated into to Spanish for the people that speak Spanish in the room, and then it gets like retranslated into Portuguese because there's Portuguese people speaking in the room, right? And so everyone can understand, uh, which like. It, it kind of really, really makes you think about, like, how the fuck is communication happening when you have this army of people speaking English oppressing this country where, like, I don't know how many, like, <laughs> easily dozens of languages, I think, are, are oh, spoken. I don't know. I really don't. And I'm sorry that it probably comes across sounding, like, half-assed and insensitive. I'm sorry. I, I just don't know. But I know that it's it's more than just Hindi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, um, that is, like, an, an incredible feat for, like... The, for people to communicate in a scenario like that, but also really great, like showing how uh, the the people of India communicated with each other to uh, rise up against the British right in front of them sometimes because the British didn't bother to learn the language either. Yeah. Uh, so I I will I just did a very brief search. Uh, so according to the interwebs, there are 22 major languages in India there written in 13 different scripts with over 720 dialects. That's that's fucking wild. That to is me. fucking like, wild. That human is, language is an amazing thing. It, it is. Really I mean, is. and India is fucking huge. Like that's another thing that like you know it doesn't always show it on the map. Like it's a pretty big fucking place. So oh, like you know. over a billion people, I think, and it's oh, yeah. it's an enormous landmass. There's like yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot of diversity in in sure. language. I mean, yeah. think about like there's diversity in in monolingual company or co- companies. There's diversity in monolingual companies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's diversity in monolingual countries. So of course. A country that large with that many like major languages is going to be just, just you know, 
it's going to be uh, really hard to understand people if you don't put the effort in. And yeah. we, we learned the, the British didn't put the effort in. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's it. Uh, yeah, so there you have it, guys. So again, RRR is uh, available streaming on Netflix in America. I, I can't imagine that this movie is not everywhere else. Uh, so do yourself a favor and watch this movie. Uh, yeah. You know, we we have sung its praises for an hour now, and uh, that, will, uh, that won't go away because this movie was fantastic. Yeah. And every, then go, every bit of it. Go read all the background and trivia and stuff like that of it because, you know, we only have so much time in the episode to talk about, but there's a lot of really interesting facts about the movie and about the the period that it portrays go learn about it it's fucking wild it's it's like in a lot of ways is literally part of our history uh and in a lot of ways this is how i wish it had gone down i know right <laughs> it would have been really fucking cool uh yeah a lot of cool things about not only how the movie was filmed the money it made all that sort of thing so definitely you know read up on it on uh, imdb of course if you aren't already uh follow us over on social media we're at the nahoit podcast on twitter and instagram uh links down below we'll tweet out some of the facts uh after this episode comes out throughout the week of some yeah. of the things that we didn't get to in this episode so that way you guys can just get those extra little nuggets of of fun facts from this film but we'll definitely send a bunch of those out uh just so you can see how freaking cool you know this movie was both you know on screen off screen and historically uh so there you have it everyone thanks a lot for listening to uh the first episode of july uh we hope everyone is staying safe out there um thank you so much for listening of course if you have not hit subscribe on your player of choice make sure to do so we have brand new episodes every thursday and sunday with our thursday bonus episode uh kind of talking about whatever's happening in the week which mm-hmm. is also available on youtube if you guys want to watch our faces say it uh at nsrad.io slash youtube um also linked down below so definitely check Check that out. And of course, as always, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Look, we did it and we know you can. It's a click, you know, it's a group chat. Hit it, hit it up on <laughs> it's Discord. A group chat. <laughs> a 100,000 group chat. Just be, I, listen, I'll be honest, like we say that as a joke, but I would I would probably kill someone if they added me to a 100,000 person group chat. <laughs> I would hunt every one of those people. That would be so rude. <laughs> That's our next horror movie. Oh, Uh, God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. A father's tragic past hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month, we bring a new short story to life in a full-cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Nightshift Radio.